This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Hello, and welcome to Buy Her Shelf. I'm your host, Erica Denise Hearns. If you've come to find more people worth following and books worth reading, you've come to the right place. Each episode, I'll introduce you to one new reader based on her or, on occasion, his shelf. If you're ready to add to your to-be-read pile, prepare to take notes. Hello, fellow readers, and welcome back to the By Her Shelf podcast. I hope you enjoyed the introductory episode that I released and that it gave you a little bit more information about what it is that I plan to do with this podcast. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of introducing you to Agatha Marshall. Agatha as you'll hear on this episode, is a woman of many jobs. Agatha is a mom. She works as an insurance professional. She's a publishing consultant with Lynn Cross Publishing, a published author of the cookbook Come Eat with Aggie. She also works with Brave by Faith Travel and serves in her local church. Even with all of these hats, Agatha still does a lot of reading, both professionally and personally. In this episode, you will hear how Agatha is cultivating a love of reading in her children, what it's really like to read American books overseas, the book that she disliked so much in school, it made her stutter, and so many other gems and jewels about publishing, and the reading life. I like to think of this episode as cooking up drama with Agatha Marshall. I hope you enjoy it. So welcome to the show, Agatha. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I personally know you through your work with Lynn Cross Publishing. Yes. Yes. And I want to talk about that, but I want to get there. So let's work our way to it. Okay. Um, So my first question would be, were you always a reader or did you kind of grow into that? I think I kind of grew into reading and most recently, especially starting with Lynn Cross, um, I would pick up a book like here or there. If something like caught my eye, if I was in a store, of course, I would like buy it and, and read it. But then as you know, I mean, you're busy, you're working, you have so much going on. Reading kind of takes the back end of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And so um, being a younger Agatha, read all the time. But I do definitely want to get back into reading more. But I mean, yeah, I've always liked to read books and things. So what book would you say reignited your love of reading from that period where you weren't kind of reading as much to now? I think it was when I started with like I said, with back with Lynn Cross and having to get more clients and things of that, you know, getting clients and things of that nature. And the one book I think that sparked my interest was going through one of my clients. Her book is not by my own. And it was a play on a, I guess we want to say like a real life situation, but she turned it into like a drama book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is so good. And me just working on it, I was like, oh, 
like I'm missing out. So yeah, <laughs> that like kind of ignited me wanting to get back into reading more like I was when I was like a teenager or, you know, college age and things of that nature. So, so yeah. I believe that I saw this on your social media. I've been social media sleuthing <laughs> that you were overseas for some time. I believe Kuwait was one of the places. Yeah, I lived in Kuwait for three years. So how did that play into your reading life? Like, what is it like trying to even find books that would be popular over here at the same time over there? Well, the good thing is a lot of when you think about the Middle East or Kuwait, you know, what we see on TV is totally different than what life is there. And Mm -hmm. so they had bookstores. They had, you know, some of the same stores that we have here. I mean, what would be equivalent to a Walmart? We call that the Lulu market. So, you Mm -hmm. know, Americanized books would be there and magazines and stuff of that nature. Kuwait was definitely, I always called that season of my life the dry season because it has two relevances. One is being in a desert. So it was very Mm -hmm. like a desert situation where we lived. There were barely any trees. It was just a lot of sand and dirt and it was just, (laughs) ah. But then another thing as far as spiritually with myself, that was one of my dry seasons, like my preparing season for when I moved back to the United States. And mm-hmm. in that dry season, all I had to do was read a book. I homeschooled my kids. So I have three kids. At that time, mm-hmm. I only had two. So I had to do a lot of reading when it came to homeschooling them and mm-hmm. um, a lot of books that they had to read as far as for projects that they had for their school. So when they get, when they were finished reading a book, I would have to turn around and read the book just to make sure that they answered the questions right or yeah. you know, they had their book summary right. So a lot of things that, you know, us thinking here in America, oh, they don't have all that. They did. They had everything. And I was able to go buy books. And I even had books shipped to me. So Amazon okay. worked there. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was pretty cool. I was like, oh, I like this book. Let me order it because I really had nothing to do. I was at home the majority of the time, homeschooling the kids. And it was just like there was nowhere to go until dark time because it was so hot. So reading did happen during that time period. But what kind of books were you reading at that time? What genre? It was just a different genre. I mean, you had the Christian books, of course, with a lot of people that I know, their books that are out. And then I love drama books. So that's where mm-hmm. I gained my love for reading was a lot of drama. So I don't know if you know, like Sister Soldier and all those yeah. type of books. Those are the type of books that I read. And so during that time period, I had still had those books. It was like, oh, I have nothing to do. Let me pick up my Sister Soldier book and read it. So... I mean, it was just a mixture. It was cookbooks because, you know, I like to cook. And it's basically it. It was just a range. Whatever I can get my hand on to occupy my time. Fictional books, non-fictional books. It's whatever. Just the mention of Sister Soldier takes me back to high school. <laughs> Soldier was the truth. I'm trying that, to tell you. <laughs> the coldest winter ever was yes. one of those books. Yes. I and and it was so funny when I was in Kuwait. I read that book as if I've never read that book before. That's how good it is. That's always yeah. a go-to for me. I love the coldest winter ever, Sister, Sister Soldier, and you know just drama-filled books. You know, just trying yeah. to nothing was on TV, so I was like, let's get into this book. <laughs> now, have you read her um, nonfiction book? No disrespect. Uh-uh, I haven't read that. One. Oh, you have to read it. I'm a, okay. Now I'm gonna put it on my book reading list. <laughs> I read that one and she has one section about a guy that she was dating and 
I I'm not gonna ruin what no don't ruin them at no, all. So but the thing that he says to her at the end of that chapter, it's one of those moments where you just got you got to close the book and just go whoa wow <laughs> wow it's Nathan it's in the part called Nathan okay I even okay. remember the name because I was just like. I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> it's now you're gonna have me going on my Amazon account and ordering this book now. It's just as drama filled as her fiction. I don't. Yeah. I was like, and it was one of those books where I'm just like, what is gonna happen when I get to college? If this is I the know. kind of stuff that goes I on know. in college, right? <laughs> so when did you um, get back to America? It was November 2016. Oh, okay. Um, we moved back at that point in time. My kid's father, he, he works over there, so he's a military contractor. And at the time, he didn't know how his job was going to play out. They didn't know if they were, you know, canceling the contract, things of nature. He's still mm-hmm. there. He's been there for, now I've been home for two years now, so he's still there. But... Mm-hmm. When we came back, I came back with another baby. So I had my now three-year-old and he was born there. So I guess it was just best for me to bring the kids back home, you know, just being around family and things of that nature and just kind of getting a better village with what, you know, with whatever our situation was going on between him and I. And so, yeah, I mean, coming home was definitely one of those, okay, you had your quiet season, you had your dry season. Now it's time to put your foot to the ground. And and yeah, been back for two years now. And I mean it's been good. I've been I've been hitting the ground running for the past two years. I told someone the other day my, my uh two years has caught up with me. So at this point <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I need to rest. <laughs> it's caught up with me. It definitely has. Now, I know I mentioned that I know you through Lynn Cross Publishing, and yeah. that is not your only job. No, it's not. <laughs> and from what I see on Instagram, I'm like, this woman has so many <laughs> jobs. <laughs> so this is going to be an interesting interview. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. I do do a lot. Um and I can just go through it real, real quick. I have a standard nine to five. I work in insurance. And okay. then from my nine to five, I come home and I work on just a, you know, a multitude of things from Lynn Cross to working on my brand, which is coming with Aggie to Grace by Faith. That's another job that I do. That's the travel part piece of my life, which I love so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pinky Promise, of course, I'm pretty involved in Pinky Promise. And then, you know, I, I don't, you know, you don't want to say work for your church, but I serve at my church and I, mm-hmm. I, I'm at a big capacity there. And so, oh, wait, and I'm, I'm forgetting one thing. I started a new telecommunications business I'm working for, you know, to help people that want to work from home for people that don't want to go get a nine to five or stay in a building. I can provide, you know, I provide avenues, means and ways for them to work from home. So what's that? What's like six things that I do? But yeah. I always tell people, uh, you know, even though I'm coming to my rest season, because I know, and, and just a couple of months ago, right before I went on one of my work trips, I felt my season shift. And mm-hmm. so I was like, wow, Lord, okay, this must be the season of resting because you must have something greater coming after this. And so I'm in my resting season. But during those times when I when I do do all those things, I'm graced to do it. So it's not yeah. like a 
like it, oh, I have to do this. Like I literally enjoy everything that I'm involved in. Although I'm coming to my resting point and that, that point is, you know, you need to rest, you need to stop, you need to regroup and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, I just love doing all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> I do. And that's the hard part is that there comes a time when there's so many things that you have your hand in right? and that you want to continue, Yeah. but your body, your spirit, yep. Yep. the Lord, everything is like, you need to take your hands off a couple of these things. Yeah. So, I mean, I won't fully, you know, you know, it's so funny because everybody tells me that I won't fully take off, you know, my actual duties, my actual jobs and things that I get paid for, like, Mm -hmm. um, you know, my nine to five. I can't definitely take off that because my saying is the rent don't care about you being tight. Right. But some of the things, you know, like with Pinky Promise, you know, even though I'm fully involved for the full year, it's not as like a lot of work, but some things I am taking a break from. And mm-hmm. it's so amazing that I have just an amazing village and amazing team to assist in helping me, you know, when I do take my sabbatical, which is at the beginning of, well, January. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you, like you said, it comes a point in time where you can't continue on and you have to recognize that in order to be healthy in yourself. So you can continue on with whatever God has you to do. Some things can't stop, but some things, you know, I can take a back seat too because I have an amazing team to help me out. There is always a need to refresh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question about your work with Lynn Cross. So Yeah, go ahead. The first question would be, how did you get started working with Lynn Cross? But even more so, what exactly does it entail? Now, you are a publishing consultant. Is that the correct title? Yes. Okay. So Heather and Cornelius are the founders of Lynn Cross. They're they're the owners of the company. And it started off by people just asking them, how do you write so many books? And how do you guys turn over so many books in in just just a short time period? And they figured out that a lot of people just didn't know how to start. And what's pretty cool about Lynn Cross is although we are a publishing company and the end of it, you get to keep all of your rights and royalties of your book. So that means that we don't own the rights, nor do we own the royalties of the books, which makes it great for a first time author is because, mm-hmm. you know, you put all this work in writing the book, but then a publishing company comes around and takes 50 percent of your profits. And so Lynn Cross does not do that. Uh, we just assist in helping you get it started. So when they started it, I think I literally was sitting around a table and they were like, hey, we're going to start this publishing company. Do you want to help? And I was like, sure, why not? You know, I, mm-hmm. I got great customer service skills. I did 17 years in the game. I'm sure I can do this. Yeah. And going into it, it was like, oh, this is so much. It did never really knew what it took for a person to write a book. And you understand the reasoning behind them starting the company because it just takes so many moving pieces. Yes. And so I am a publishing consultant and I am the one that gives them that one-on-one support. I'm the one that, you know, ensures that, you know, they book their book gets from the writing phase to the editing phase, to the formatting phase, to the book cover phase, to the publishing phase. And even so after that, just, you know, continue to motivate them because all of our authors become family. So I, every once in a while, you know, I reach out to my past clients and say, hey, how you doing? Just checking in, seeing how everything's going. You know, some is like, oh, this is a trying season, you know, and they go in and then some is like, everything is great. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you, you become, I don't want to say prideful, but proudful. Like you become proud of 
assisting someone to literally have something that God has downloaded into them and bringing it to life. So vision, mm -hmm. their, their vision has been brought to life with my assistance. And, you know, just like, you know, the whole saying, you have a part to play in the kingdom. And I think that that's my part. And, you know, I don't need a stage. I don't need this. I don't need this, that, and the third. But if I can assist someone who God has told them that they are a pastor and they needed to get this book out and, you know, things of that nature. And then I've assisted in the kingdom of helping people get that out. And so it's a pretty cool process. I love that job, too. I always say if I can do that job full time, I would love, love, love. And I do think it's going to come to a point where, you know, I'm, I'm fully just becoming a publishing consultant. But mm. I mean, I definitely it's one of those rewarding jobs where, like I said, you don't get tired of doing in, in a sense, in a sense, because <laughs> it can't be stressful at sometimes writing books, you know, the client is happy and things of that nature and excited. But at the end of the day, when you get that hard copy in your hand, it's just like having a baby. It's kind of like, you know, nine months of pregnancy. And then when you finally birth that baby, it's like, oh, this is the most precious. This is what I've been waiting for. And just to see, you know, clients happy and, 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 and what the work, when it started off as a vision and mm -hmm. what it becomes as a book, physical book. It's cool. I love that job, though. <laughs> Let me ask you this about how it works. How do you end up being the consultant for a client? So do you pick the jobs that you will consult on? Are they assigned to you? How does that work? So in the beginning, initially, it was only two of us. So it was two consultants. So we split the, the apps. Not all books we publish. So they, uh, they have to go through a interview phase where we actually talk to the client. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we do that we talk to them is because yes, you can write down what your book is about on an email. But when I, I, I love to, you know, hear it. I want to know what it sounds like or know what your passion is in this book, because anybody can write a book. Mm -hmm. As you can tell, um, you can go Amazon, what a, you know, a book about cats and there's a book about cats out there. But mm -hmm. when it comes to what Link Cross and Link Cross is about, publishing purpose, publishing what God has called them to do as far as in this writing, if it's healing from a domestic violence situation or healing from, you know, just a tragic event in your life to teaching people how to live like Christians, teaching people how to walk this life out. And, and even in children's books, showing, you know, the love of Christ through those kids' books. So we go through that interview process. And then what happens is if I interview you, say you come on my slot, and then I interview you, I'm your consultant. Okay. Now that's that was the initial phase. It was because it was only two. Now it's I moved from a publishing consultant to slash publishing consultant slash manager. So to say okay. So now I actually were able to hire more four more consultants up under. Oh wow! Uh, so yeah, we have like six consultants now, and because the the demand is great, and so now I'm the one that's filtering out the books to those consultants so I train them teach them how the process works things of that nature and then you know kind of assist in helping them I still have clients so I still take mm -hmm. on clients I, I can't remember how many I have right now but I, it's 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 probably up there in the number mm -hmm. but 
yeah, they, they just, they, and they still do that process. It's all about the interview. So every yeah. person will go through an interview if they choose to. And then we don't pressure people to, to publish with us, which is another thing that I like. I always tell them, I mm-hmm. can't tell you what to buy. I can't tell you what to do with your book. You know what you are supposed to do. God provisions, he provides. And at that point, if they sign on, they sign on. If they don't, we love them tremendously. And we're still able to assist some some people because some people may not, you know, have it in their budget to publish a book, which is perfectly fine. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you need some type of motivation, I, I always tell them I'm here for you if you need motivation. That I just, our main goal is to, you know, assist you in helping you get your, your book out. So that's the process. The interview is the main thing. And then when you interview that person, that's your client when they sign on. Let me ask you this. Um, Do you read all of the books that you consult on in their entirety? (laughs) Have to. Only because, yes, we have editors, but then the client also has full rights to their book. So whatever that the client, the decision is mainly solely on the client, so to Mm -hmm. say. Now, if you have a brand new writer that doesn't know what they're doing, then that's where I'll step in. So I do read every manuscript. To the, to, to, the, to the degree some things can be missed when it goes through an editing phase or some things can be missed when you know they get to the formatting phase so mm-hmm. you're constantly having to look at that book it's not something that we just overlook because at the end of the day Lynn Cross's name is on it so you don't mm-hmm. ever want to get a book that has Lynn Cross publishing name but it's you know like jacked up inside so to say like the editing is all off and things of that nature so we are definitely in tune and what's also good is Sometimes, you know, Heather or Cornelius will pull a book and say, you know, I want to tell me what this book is about. You know, give me some detail. Let me see their their application. Let me see that. Oh, their application looks great. Let me see the manuscript if they have time in their schedule schedule. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just write like a brief summary of the of their book and send it over. So, you know, it's definitely all eyes on every book that comes through Lane Cross. Wow. And that's amazing. Yeah. Because I know a lot of publishing entities, yeah. they have a person who acquires it and kind of shepherds it through the process, but they have, you know, they just oversee. They don't yeah. always read closely and yeah. make sure that, you know, they don't treat it like it's their baby. Yeah. And, we have and that's what that's it how, sounds like. Right. And that's how, that's how we operate. It's our baby too. Um, like I said, at the end of the day, we become great. You, you know, if you want to look at it that way, we like the grandparents of the book. So, it's, <laughs> you know, you're definitely going to spoil the kid and send them back home. And that's what we do. But we still watch the kid, you know, we still watch yeah. over the, over the book. And uh, by all means that, you know, that client still has full control over it. So, you know, they'll, some clients will say, well, what is your opinion about what I need to do? And I'm all like, well, honey, whatever you want to do. And if they really are stuck, that's when I'll step in and say, well, yeah, I think, the, you know, the editor, you know, says that this is right. So let's just go with it. And they trust the process. And that's mm-hmm. the whole purpose of having that consultant is the fact that they trust you during the process because they don't know what, you know, what it entails. And so that's that that's where the joy comes out of it because it's kind of like you're taking on the project as if it was your own so yeah now with all this reading that you do for <laughs> Lynn Cross do you find the time to just read for pleasure and how is what you read for pleasure different than your work reading 
It's so interesting you say that because most of my, well, my past books have been my pleasure reading, so to say, because they have been that good. And if I were to pick the book up again, I would and, and read it over and over. I try to get most of my clients' books, which uh, I have two clients that just came out and I need to purchase those books. But it kind of kind of filters into both. So yes, yeah. it's work, but then because the book is so good, like this is definitely a good read to have. Another book, and, and it's so funny because I still, you know, I have the manuscript, so I can read the book anytime I want to read it. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> on my computer. But just having that hard copy in your hand, it kind of turns it into that pleasure reading, so to say. And trust me, I, as somebody who works with authors, yeah, and gets books a lot. I I really do read them, <laughs> and unlike you, I I don't have to. Um, right. Most of most of the books I get are books to format, so yeah. I can do that. You know, kind of spot read here or there just to make sure I'm getting you know what's a quote right and all that. But right. I read them because yeah. Christian nonfiction is what I mostly get, and that's a genre that I love, and I read yeah. anyway. Yeah. So it does, it, it gets blended together. Yeah, it does. Now let's talk about your first book. <laughs> so, so can you give us a little uh, pitch or quick summary for Come Eat with Aggie? So Come Eat with Aggie is a brand that got placed on my heart maybe about seven years ago and didn't know what it was, but he, he initially told me to write a book, a cookbook. I'm like, Father... Okay, because I talk to I talk to God like this, like okay, Dad, really? Like people don't people don't buy cookbooks. Like, are you serious? They can go to Pinterest, but he kept it. It would never leave me alone. And mm-hmm. I can remember speaking one day with um, my sister, and she said, "You know, what has God purposed you to do?" And I said, "Oh, it's funny you should ask." He told me to write a cookbook. She said, "Well, what are you waiting on?" And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> and so basically, the cook the come eat with Aggie book that I have out now. Uh, was just a mock pot of just kind of like a gathering of all of my favorite recipes of what I like to do. Mm-hmm. And I knew that God wanted more because you could put out a recipe book from, you know, your mother's recipe, your auntie's recipes and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But God needed more out of me. And so Come Eat With Aggie started branching out into assisting people on making these meals, but making them on a budget. So that's what the next book is about. And that's going to be the brand moving forward until God says, okay, now you've mastered that. I'm going to take you somewhere else. So it started from a little cookbook of putting your recipes together that you cook with your kids and, you know, cook for your kids and your family to now, you know, a small group that's not so small. (laughs) And, And it's so funny. I have over I think like 50 something people in my small group but because I can't house all 50 you know only 15 show up 20 show up you know nine show up six show up at a time so now it's branched into showing people how to cook on budgets and when I say budgets I'm not talking about $40 budgets I'm not talking about $20 budgets like I literally want to teach you how to make a meal on $8 a person and that comes into play from when I was young And me and my kid's father, we were just starting out and we only had $5 to our name. What are you going to make with $5? And I would take that $5 and go to the grocery store and get two items and make a meal and make it enough to where it'll last us for two days. And so that comes into the Come Eat With Aggie brand. 
that's where it's headed now. Many new things are coming up with it. I'm pretty excited as I continue on with Come Eat With Aggie. But yeah, that's how it started. Started off as a standard cookbook. <laughs> Listen, I need you to come and help me grocery shop because my meals yes. are not, <laughs> it's not working. It's, I'm sitting here and I've had days where I've had $5 and I'm like, that translated into five Michaelina's frozen meals. I'm sorry. No, and it could have been no. so much more. I know. Listening to you, yes. I could have had like a real meal, but I don't have yeah. those skills. So you need to come with this cooking on a budget I cookbook. Know. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's on its work. That's the part of my resting period um, with, you know, the other things that I do. It's the resting period of come eat with Aggie now to bring it out. That's a lot of things that I do. I teach people how to shop on a budget too as well with their groceries a lot of times we overspend money on groceries when we don't mm -hmm. need to so my grocery budget is 150 dollars every two weeks and i have a family of four living with me so it's me and my three kids and yes they get their snacks and yes we have food in our refrigerator and people did not believe it until they came to my house and saw my fridge full of food and i do grocery store trips with them and you know i and then i just turned it into just recently with my small group just turned it into a cooking session okay yeah I can teach you how to shop on a budget but then what are you going to make with the meal because that was a lot of the things that was a lot of the the air grievances of what the people that were in my small group oh yeah Agatha that's good and great you can show me how to shop on a budget but what am I supposed to do with the food when I get home well I'm going to show you and so we've made shrimp dinners for ten dollars we've made shrimp and salmon dinners for twenty five dollars we've and and I mean when I tell you shrimp and salmon dinners for $25 that fed maybe eight people. So when you break that $25 down, that's $2 a person. And so I teach mm. people to think that way. Don't, you know, don't think of, Oh, I got to spend $25 on a piece of salmon. No, you need to get the $6 salmon, honey. <laughs> and you know, you need to get the $1 bag of rice and, you know, let's make a meal out of it. And, and boom, you have a meal for $7 here. So, it's pretty fun, and um, I one day after my small group, I was just amazed at how God has started me off with a small cookbook and turned it into something that is beneficial for people. Mm. At any point, we can go into a recession, and we're not going to be able to afford a gallon of milk, but how are you going to be able to take that milk and stretch it, or how are you going to be able to take that pack of chicken and stretch it for two days because, you know, we're, we're in that situation. You know, we'll be in that situation. I've always lived like this. It's not something that I just woke up and said, oh, I'm going to try to live off of $2 a day. <laughs> so right. I've always been in, you know, I've always walked through this whole life of budgeting my meals, not really thinking about it. It was like one of those subconscious thoughts, you know? It's like, I never really thought that this is, when I took that $5 and made that meal for me and the children's dad, the kid's dad, to now, literally, this is real life. Like, people want to know how to make a good meal for $5. So, you know, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing how God works. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's called a gifting, by yeah. the way. <laughs> that's a gifting that you have. Yeah. And that's what you do with yeah. budgeting and with food. Yeah. So, I have a question for you as a cookbook author. <laughs> what cookbooks do you personally love or what cookbooks inspired you as you were working on come eat with Aggie? Many. 
birthday one of course uh, heather has a cookbook so hers was a perfect recipe that was more like a rest uh, devotional siba so siba is one of my favorite chefs she is amazing um, I actually had a chance to meet her. It was so funny. One of my friends actually knew her, but she's from um, South Africa. And when I was living in Kuwait, I was watching TV. And, and in Kuwait, yes, we had cable, but during the day, it was really nothing on. And mm-hmm. I was sitting there and Food Network came on and there was this beautiful black lady on the television. And I was like, who is this? You know, I was like so starstruck and just watched her. And literally she took, you know, she, she kind of does the same thing. She's more of an upscale chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, she did do meals that, you know, you can take an upscale meal and make it at home. So that kind of intrigued me, too. Like, I want to make these meals at home. And so she I met her and bought her cookbook. And um, then Aisha Curry's cookbook. Oh, so amazing. Mm-hmm. And then John Legend's wife, Christy, her cookbook is so cool. So those as far as when I was writing Coming with Aggie, Seba and I don't know if you need, remember, they were on the Food Network channel. It was a black couple. Uh, Pat Neely. Yes. 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 The Neelys. Mm-hmm. They had a cookbook, too, that I have. It was a holiday cookbook. And I loved watching them when here in the States when they were on TV. Um, so those are the most inspirational books that kind of inspired me on where the direction I needed to go. But now, of course, Aisha has a new book out. Christy has a new book out. And, you know, I'm just just playing the field, you know, kind of looking to see what everybody is doing. They put out big cookbooks, so a lot of yeah. content, and it's a huge book. And that that's, you know, that kind of gives me ideas of what I want to do. You know, you know, you kind of like research, well, what's going on, you know, what people want. And I find out people just want something simple. How do I do this? Can I put it in my purse? You know, can I carry right. it around? And if I'm going somewhere, I can just pull it out. But yeah, those are my top, if I can meet Aisha and Chrissy, I would be amazed. I've already met Siva. And when mm-hmm. I met her, I was a fangirl. <laughs> and I'm not typically a fangirl type of person because I know a lot of people, but it's kind of like, oh, Siva, she's so amazing. But yeah, she's one of my inspirations. Now, this is my last cookbook question. <laughs> what kind of recipes, like, is it for a specific lifestyle or diet that you do your recipes for or do you run across all different preferences as far as the kind of diet that people are eating yeah it's funny you ask a lot of people ask that question I am gluten-free and I'm also a vegetarian slash pescatarian most days so when I say slash pescatarian is I do have to have the fish and the um you know some type of protein outside of a veggie because I have a thyroid disorder, which I don't mind talking about. I've had it since I was eight and it's basically lack of iodine and I don't have the Mm -hmm. thyroid gland. So I have to have something that is going to produce a little bit more iodine than veggies. But the majority Mm -hmm. of my diet during the week is a vegetarian base. And then maybe once or twice a week, I may throw in, you know, some salmon or something like that. Okay. Um, My kids, still eat meat so I still cook meat for them they're like we are not vegetarian mom we are not going we are not doing that and it's fine I started off as meat I I don't force anything on them so whatever they want if they want chicken I'm cooking chicken if they want hamburgers I'm gonna cook hamburgers so my cookbook ranges I can take I can make a regular meal and teach you how to make it regular with meat and then show you how to make a vegetarian substitute and then if it's something that involves gluten I'll show you you know put a little note in there and say hey you know omit this so it can be gluten-free and so that's what I normally do 
on a day-to-day basis anyway because that's how I cook mm-hmm. <laughs> but it can it can go from vegan vegetarian pescatarian to full-blown you know meat eater carnivore whatever you want to call it but yeah it doesn't have a doesn't have a standard diet it'll actually read across the board so to say oh yeah. great <laughs> I am a lot of people get scared when they because they're like wait aren't you vegetarian and gluten-free is your book that i eat meat i'm like no i have meat recipes in my book no worries (laughs) because some of the shows that i've listened to and heard authors come in and talking and i'm like oh okay yeah and then they're like oh i am gluten-free vegan i'm on the daniels diet (laughs) Um, if it didn't grow out of the ground and I'm like, I feel yeah. hungry already and I have not made any of these meals. So that that's a relief. I'm sure yeah. I'm sure the vegetarian dishes are good as well. And yeah, you know, people can still eat those even if we're more carnivores. Yeah. But it's nice <laughs> to know that, you know, you thought about us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I can't. I cannot forget about you because my kids still eat meat. So I'd like if I do that, then I would be omitting them. They would never eat anything. I mean, but they're pretty fast, and sometimes they don't know. So sometimes they'd be like, "Oh, mama, this spaghetti was good," you know. And I'm all like, "You have no idea that was vegetarian." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. I don't. I started. I started off eating meat, and who's to say I won't go back? Just right mm-hmm. now, I'm definitely a vegetarian, pescatarian. Some days, but yeah. I still, I have to still know how to cook it. It, it definitely, or especially where I want to go. I don't want to be limited to just one diet. I think that'll yeah. stifle me. Speaking of your carnivorous youngsters. Yeah. How are you raising them to be readers? So they have to read and it's so cool that they go to school and their, their school gives them incentives. And so every day before they can turn on the TV during the school week, of course, weekends are free reign. You can do whatever, but they have to read 20 minutes every day and that logs for their reading time for school that their teachers require. And then it also just gives them that brain, you know, the, the, the brain cells to kind of functioning um, Mm -hmm. for them. But yeah, every day they have to read for 20 minutes before a telephone can be turned on a game system or a tv they must have read that if i'm not with them then i ensure that whoever's with them like my mom or the babysitter ensure that they read have you read today yes and how they do it is you know how kids are they're very they're very clever oh yeah mommy i read where's the book at you know i'm all like where's the book at give it to me and so i said what chapters did you read and they'll say oh i read chapters one through five okay give me 20, 10 minutes. I'm going to read chapters one through five. And then you're going to come back and tell me what the book, is, you know, those chapters are about nine times out of 10. They make mommy proud because they'll come and tell me what the book is about. Oh my yes, you guys are doing what I tell you to do <laughs> at least in that aspect. But they definitely, their school plays a huge part for where they attend. They're big advocates of reading. If you don't do anything else, they just say, please just read to your child. 20 minutes and that was something that we didn't do before coming to the school because I figured you read all day at school there's no need for you to come home but I feel like that's the most important time for them to read because in school they're doing so much um, that they don't have time to read so my daughter she literally now has about five library books in her book bag that she's reading she's reading one book today and then she'll go back and read this chapter and then she'll go back to this other book so it's pretty cool to see that they like to read 
Now I want to do a lightning round. Okay. Where do you get the most book recommendations? Google. Are there any authors who are auto-buys for you? Michelle Obama will be. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you reread or just one time? Yes, I reread. Do you read primarily for entertainment or education? Both. Always finish or it's okay to ditch? Typically always finish, especially if it's a good book. Your worst reading habit? Having my phone when I'm reading. Oh. That's a distraction. Yes, it is. (laughs) Favorite genre? Drama. Anything drama. Least favorite genre? Scientific. I can't get into that. (laughs) Okay. Leave bad reviews or no? No. Most overrated book or author? (laughs) <laughs> oh that's hard i can't put my i can't i can't put it on one person i'm not even gonna do that because i'm a book publisher okay. like a, a consultant <laughs> <laughs> well this one might be easier than most underrated book or author most underrated book or author i'm gonna say one of my clients mm-hmm. with Devereaux. okay um, not by my own i think her book is amazing she said she she's like working hard to get it out. So yeah, yeah. You guys peep her out. Check her out. <laughs> okay, print, ebook, or audiobook. Can I choose two? Sure. Print and audiobook. Okay. Bookmark, dog ear, or a scrap of paper for a bookmark. Scrap of paper. <laughs> All day. Can I just insert here what scrap yeah. of paper usually? Oh, it can be a bill, a random piece of receipt paper (laughs) whatever's lying around i have so many nice bookmarks and it's almost always a receipt yeah a receipt yep (laughs) (laughs) it just is buy or borrow from the library buy lend or not to lend i'll lend all day highlight underline write in the book or do you keep it pristine Highlight, write, and underline. All three of those. (laughs) Your average time to read a book. Oh, that is, if it's a good book, I can do it in a day. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's a challenging book, it probably will take me about a month or two. Can I insert? Uh-huh. When I say challenging, I mean like it's so much detail and, and that I'm I'm very an analytical thinker, mm-hmm. so I overthink it. So I have to go back and reread make sure I miss nothing. Current book. That I'm reading now, Michelle Obama. What's at the top of your to be read pile? Oh, that was at the top. So, so now I'm waiting on you. The the sister soldier, um, the one you just told me about. That's gonna okay. be next. No disrespect. <laughs> No disrespect. <laughs> what book are you excited about that hasn't come out yet? I'm going to go back to one of my clients' book. I can't say the title, but I have a client. Her book is going to be super amazing. And then hopefully it'll be out soon. So do you have a time frame for us to get back to you? For that book? Yes. Uh, give me about four months. Okay. She's still writing. She's not still writing. She's like in the editing phase, so. We're waiting. It's going to be a good one, though. Understood. Yep. <laughs> I've been there. Do you <laughs> do you pre-order or not? No, I don't. No pre-order. That is 
all of the lightning round questions. You did it really fast. (laughs) That was fun. I have a bonus question. Okay. What was your favorite book you were assigned in school? To Kill a Mockingbird, to be frank. Hmm. That was one of the best books that I've read. As hard as it was when we read it, yeah. That's one of my, that's one of my, I love the Kill a Mockingbird. I love the book. I love the movie. They, they had a they play, whatever, child. I love it. Love it, love it. Now, you may or may not want to answer this one, but least favorite book you were assigned in school. Oh, Hamlet. Mm. <laughs> Did you just say Hamlet? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. So you were, were you just not a fan of Shakespeare in general or was no, Hamlet specifically? What was the other one that he had? Uh, Romeo and Juliet. That one I read, which is perfectly fine. O- Overthrow, what is it called? Othello. Yep, that one was good. Amazing. Loved it. That darn Hamilton, I was like, okay. <laughs> nah, we're not doing it. <laughs> so so you, you were not here for Hamlet and his earnest anguish about this nope. whole situation with his nope. mom and his uncle. No, nope, not here for it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was because of the fact that at that point, be, being that young, it was like, I don't want to read no books. I want to go out and play. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to yeah. not play. It was, that was like high school. You know, I, I, I ain't got time. These boys. But then <laughs> as after reading that, then, then they put me in an um, AP English class. I don't know why they did that. Um, <laughs> AP um, literature class. I don't know why they did that. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of like grown to love that Shakespeare but yeah, mm-hmm. Hamilton was the first book they tried to throw at me. And I was like, no, ma'am, sir, you were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, and it's so funny. I never, I never knew why they put me in a, because I hated like literature and English and all of that. They put me in a class. They were challenging you. Yep. I guess so. And grooming you for yeah, a see? life of being a reader. See? Oh my goodness. I, oh, look at you. All look for a you. purpose. Yes, I love it. Look at that revelation. Come on. <laughs> what book would people be surprised to find on your shelf? What, what book? Oh, the one that I keep out a lot is Where the Sidewalk Ends by Shel C- uh, Severson. Mm-hmm. It's a poem and drawing book. And to be honest with you, I love poetry. It's something that, it's one of those things that a lot of people don't know about me, but I love poetry. Yeah, so where the sidewalk in is actually a, a children's point book, but that's if I had a diet like a coffee table, which I don't, ha- I didn't have one because of the two year old, you know, bumping heads. But I'm yeah, one, that would be out on my coffee table. They would be surprised to see that. Like, why do you have that out? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, I'm very familiar with Shell. Yeah. Yes. I loved his books as a kid, yeah. and I have the hardcover where the sidewalk ends. Yes, that's the one that I have. Oh my goodness, yes. I have it. And I wanted the next book, and I never, I never got it. I did never check it, it out of the library, but I had to give it back. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's one of the books that it was always out on my coffee table before the before the baby. So yeah. This has been a fun conversation. Yay, it's been so fun. This is so cool. I cannot wait to hear it. (laughs) And I think that our readers really did get to know a lot about you just from talking about books. 
Can yes. you believe how much we have uncovered about your life? Yes. Just from talking about books. You just literally gave me a revelation about why they kept putting me in literature classes, not knowing that God had set that up a long time ago. You know, it's kind of like that, that scripture goes. I know you before you were born in your mother's room. Like I knew you before, like I already have a plan set for you. And that just brought revelation because I never understood why they kept putting me in AP literature classes or advanced English. I'm like, I don't even like this, but then look where I am now working with, books and writers and authors so yes <laughs> thank all, you for that revelation all things work together i know <laughs> it's funny isn't it that was like your flower yeah and then some other experience was eggs yep. and then you know you look around you get a little vanilla flavor, flavor. and the okay. next thing you know you have you have all the ingredients for a cake he didn't give yeah. you a cake but he gave you all the ingredients and so now yeah. you gotta you're like oh now i see I have everything that I need I love to make it. a cake. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yes, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Since we're, we're back on food again. Yeah. This, this new cookbook, I'm, I'm digging around here and, you know, trying to sniff <laughs> out an exclusive. So what, what's our time frame? I know so, we're resting, but. So I've been delaying it because of the work magnitude that I was in. My year has already started. So if you don't know, I start my year on my birthday. I don't do a January 1st, okay. new year, new me. So Jan <laughs> November the 6th was my birthday. So that starts my new year. In between that time, I thought the book was going to be released. But all I'm just waiting on is to take the photos. So I just okay. secured a photographer for the photos for the food. And we'll be shooting next month, which I'm so excited about. And so probably look spring, March, hopefully it'll be there. Uh, it'll be so funny because you probably would have the first vision or look at it too as well. <laughs> All right. Now, I, okay. Listen, I know, right? my uh, inbox is ready. <laughs> I know. But yeah, um, narrow down the photographer and we'll start shooting next month. It requires me to do a lot of cooking, a lot of testing. And I've been doing that lately too as well. I don't measure. So guys, when you do get my book, don't say, you know, you may see child, just put a little sprinkle in there or season how you want to season because that's how I talk. But I've been testing out some of the things that I've been doing, you know, with my family and with my small group. And it's going to be fun. Like I said, it's going to give you some good delicious recipes, but also teach you how to make that recipe for you know, under $10, under $5 if that's all you have, under $20 if that's all you have. So, yeah. Give me to March. Okay. March I will be looking for it. Yes, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna put to you some of these dishes in my kitchen. Yes, yes. <laughs> and put down my takeout menus. <laughs> yes, you know, you can make that meal for cheap at the home. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. No, thank you so much. I think this is one of the most, like, when you when you asked me would I assist or, you know, come on, I was like, why not? Like, why wouldn't I? I think this is so amazing. This is so good. I just can't wait to see what God has in store for you with your podcast. Just continue on. Don't get frustrated. And even, like, today, you know, it's like, ah, I thought I was going to have time. <laughs> Just don't get frustrated with it because there's a purpose behind it and it's good. You know what I'm saying? It's it's good. You're inviting people into your world 
but also people that start listening to it and know like way it's a lot of people out here that are like me and so don't stop people are tied to your obedience continue on when frustration hits you know I, I just take a breather like okay I'm frustrated Lord and be honest with him mm-hmm. in it too as well because if he gave you the vision he surely thought you were capable of, of doing doing all of it so Keep going, girl. I receive all of that. (laughs) Now, before I let you go, you have to tell the listeners how they can connect with you. If they're like, yes, I'm here for all of this cookbook stuff. (laughs) You know, I want to see when your authors release books because I'm interested in that genre. So tell them how they can keep up with you. So I, well, you can find me on Jack's Manage. So Jack's Manage one on Instagram. J-A-K-S-M-A-N-A-G-E and the number one. That's my personal page about who I am, Aggie. Um, and then my brand, Come Eat With Aggie, is just that, at Come Eat With Aggie. And more about my job, Lynn Cross, it's at Lynn Cross Publishing on Instagram. And so those are the three ways that you can reach me, so to say. And so, yeah, come on over to my world. I would love, love, love to have you guys. <laughs> Now, if people are interested in working with Lynn Cross, do you guys do um, seasons that you're accepting submissions? Yes, yes. So the best way to find that out would be to follow that Lynn Cross Publishing page, or you can always send your information over to lyncrosspublishing at gmail.com. Someone is always looking in, you know, that email box. We're always looking for contractors. So people that come work with us, we don't hire you on. You are contracted to come work. So you're your own business owner. You tell us, you know, what you what, what you charge and things of that nature. Because the brand is growing, we're definitely needing to expand out. Like we need, need more people to meet the demand of people that come in that want to publish the book. So lincrosspublishing at gmail.com if you want to email over your information or just follow the page because we do do seeking contractors. So to say, and and it'll actually go on that page first before anything. Thank you so much. Yes, you guys go support, subscribe, follow, tell your friends, share everything. I think that this is amazing and I can't wait to see where this is headed. What did I tell you about Agatha? Isn't she such a fun interview? I really enjoyed speaking with her. I loved the books that she brought up, and we had such an amazing conversation. If you enjoyed this interview, feel free to leave by her shelf a rating or a review. We'd really appreciate it, and I'd love to know your thoughts. You can find the show notes for this episode and all future episodes on By Her Shelf's blog. You can find it at www.byherself.com backslash blog under the category podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, I hope you find more people worth following and especially more books worth reading because you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a reader by her shelf. See you next week.